Honey 16 presents Welcome to episode 25 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. 25, a quarter of a century. We have done a quarter of a century's worth of shows. That's a long time. Unbelievable. That's a lot of years to put in. I know. And it feels like yesterday, but it really has been 25. Who would have thought? I We are starting... Our 26th year. It's amazing. We would thank everyone, but there's just too many people to too thank. Too many people. Yep. Too many people to thank. Starting with Johnny Carson. Oh, my gosh. Break. Amazing. Right? Remember that? Yeah. Remember oh, Carson? That appearance was incredible. Yeah. Oh. My goodness. Well, we have a lot to cover. This is a rainbow of an episode. <laughs> All the colors will be on display. Yes. Starting with a bulging mailbag. Here we go. Billy Sanford wrote, Hello, Gabe and Jeff. Just wanted to drop a quick note to wish the entire I Dream of Cameras team a happy holiday season. Thank you, Billy. Also thought I would pose a question, since I know this is a thing Jeff, at least, might have an opinion about, and you both may have an opinion, given your career background. Hmm. I finally watched Blow Up. Good man. Everyone who listens to this show should be watching that movie. Two things stood out to me about the early scene of the fashion shoot of Verushka by David Hemmings. Before the photographer starts shooting, it appears as though his assistant is testing the strobes. You can see them firing in the background. However, once the actual shoot starts, the strobes do not fire, and there is not a cable attached to his Hasselblad or Nikon. Wireless trigger, maybe? No, there was no no wireless trigger. No. Now, I should point out, okay, this is a good observation. It's really good. of course... There is never any sort of meaningful synchrony between what we see a photographer preparing to do. Also, keep in mind, there are a lot of jump cuts in that sequence. So it may be that we have jumped ahead. Okay, second thing. (laughs) During that shoot, he starts shooting the model from the front with a black backdrop and ends looking down on the model, laying on the black backdrop. But in the process of moving between those two positions, he navigates behind the model and is shooting with his back to the backdrop. And one would have to assume that the background in those shots would be his studio, tripod, light stands, wall, door, etc. Is this movie magic, Gabe? Is this what we're talking about? I think it's magic, and I would like to know if he's available to be a script supervisor on our next project. Yeah, this is very scripty, what you've just done. Yep. Those are all good points. It is also possible, though, that with sufficient shallow focus, the background might fall away. Blah, 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 blah. Full disclosure, I have spent a career in IT and have heard many conversations from my colleagues about how the bad guy didn't just hack into the system in five seconds. It doesn't work that way. So clearly, <laughs> Billy is aware of movie magic. Yes. He says, those sorts of things never take me personally out of the story. But given how much Jeff likes this particular movie, I was interested in his take on it. And then just as a wider topic, from my curiosity, does anyone in the writer's room ever say, man, the nerds are really going to freak out about this one? Didn't know if either of you might have a fun anecdote to share along those lines. Gabe? Oh, boy. <laughs> there's so many. I mean, there's some, but there's also sometimes... That will do something and go, oh, this is so ridiculous. We can't do it. And then we go, oh, we'll just do it because it'll be funny. There was a scene in Freaks Geeks where Lindsay and Kim Kelly are in a car and they run over something. And they they learn later on in the episode that it was Millie's dog. 
Okay. Oh. But it's like a ba bump. Like it's like we did yeah. the car where it's like ba bump and then and then we hit something. Okay. And then later on, the very end of the episode, they have a funeral for this thing, and we do the and the very end. So we show a picture of Millie and the dog, and the dog's a Great Dane. <laughs> As if a Great Dane would have made a little bump bump like it was a like squirrel. Like that's yeah. yeah. When you see the accents, it's a squirrel and they didn't see anything. Now, is that played for the joke that you see that it was a Great Dane? Or is that an in-joke for the writers or just you're I just I think grinning? it was just playing for the joke and then they, just so people go, that's ridiculous or just fun. All yeah. right. Gabe, would it surprise you to know that in a writer's room, I can occasionally be intransigent and difficult? I do not believe that. Don't Thank ever, you for saying that. ever tell me that. The incident that comes to mind was during the first season of a little show called Friends. Hmm. I stepped out for a bathroom break. And when I came back, there was a discussion about a moment where Rachel was sort of sitting on the edge of the balcony at Monica's apartment and she falls off. (laughs) And we cut to the downstairs apartment and we see her dangling by a string of Christmas tree lights outside the window, kind of going, gee. Right, of course. Sure. Why wouldn't she? I come in and I I think they must be joking. And I'm like, at first I'm like, ha ha ha, that's really funny. What are you guys actually talking about? And they said, no, 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 we're really doing this. I said, okay, I'm not Mr. Science, but can we explain how a 110 pound girl is dangling by one leg from a strand of Christmas tree lights. What is the strand made of? What is it connected to? Is this a Warner Brothers cartoon? Oh my God. That was the thing I kept saying over and over oh, again. Oh, good. I stopped the room cold, probably for a solid hour, yeah. arguing about this. And it really became 12 Angry Men because I was going around the room saying, Adam, Ira, Alexa. Like I was trying to get people on my team. I was insufferable. They turned, they turned on you. I turned a couple of them and (laughs) (laughs) there was a point where I I was starting to get laughs, like the wrong kind of laughs, like the you're trying too hard in the room laughs. Right, right. Anyway, we did it and the world did not end. Yeah, the world did end. But can you tell it still bothers me 27 years later? It might bother (laughs) Thank you, Billy. Next up, Ruben Robles, a.k.a. Trapping Photons on the Instagram says... Hola, Dream Teamers. Hey, I love that. I, love I know that. I'm late to the party with feedback on the Pentax episode. However, I cannot remain silent. I have to give feedback on the camera line that Mike Gutterman calls the working man's camera. Mm-hmm. My Pentax journey started with Mark Holtz's YouTube channel. I don't know that YouTube channel, but he says he focuses on adapting vintage lenses to digital cameras. I watched all of his videos and finally made my way to the bargain camera show. At the Pasadena Elks Lodge. We had to bring that up. In we the middle all of that miss that show email. so much. Oh, <sighs> sad. I bought my. By the way, we just checked Gabe and me yesterday. They are not coming back for at least a year. Yeah. Heartbreaker. This is our local camera show, yeah. guys. And I bought my first radioactive Pentax SMC Tacomar 51.4 attached to a Pentax Spotmatic. The seller offered the camera to me for an extra 25 bucks. I bought the Spotmatic as well and took my first steps into my Pentax film journey. He went on to buy the 50F4 Macro. Maybe not the one that's super cool like mine. I don't know. You didn't say, Ruben. Then he got the 100 F4 macro for a little more reach when photographing spiders and bees and other things that might bite slash sting me. I know there is controversy 
on the podcast surrounding the 135 focal length. I did buy the 135 2.5, mainly because all the off-camera flash YouTubers were raving about this focal length for portraits. Interesting, huh? Yeah. He said, it's an awkward focal length for everyday carry. He does not use it all that much. Hmm. Interesting. He's gone on to buy a few more M42 lenses. The crown jewel, he says, is the 85 1.8 Tacomar. I love 85s. 85s Yeah, and I've heard about this lens, yep. Yeah, he says it's a wonderful portrait lens, renders skin beautifully, produces beautiful, soft, circular bokeh. Or bokeh. When the pandemic hit, I dove into film photography. He already had a bunch of lenses. He started with the Spotmatic body, but it finally died. He transitioned to the MX. Cheap, dependable, and you can adapt M42 lenses to those bodies. I always forget about this, I, but Pentax yeah. made the M42 to K-mount adapter. It's a good tip. That is good. Thank you, Ruben. Next up, our reliable correspondent, Tom Northenskold, says, <laughs> if you love the FM3A, the Nikon FM3A, yes. you should check out the FE2. I am told by a photog that owns both that there is little practical difference between the two, the most significant being that the FM3A doesn't require batteries to work on all shutter speeds. The FE2 goes for one-third to one-fourth the price of an FM3A. Interesting. Listeners who are trying to save a buck might appreciate learning of a much lower cost alternative. Have you used this camera? I have not used the camera, but you and I recently saw one. I when think, we're going to talk yes, about that. Exactly. Yes, we're going to talk about that a little later in the broadcast. Yep. He said... I avoid cameras that have hit the collector's radar screens. Oh. Yes, Leica, I'm talking about you. Yep. I don't care to pay a huge premium for cachet or scarcity. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Just like Jeff. In practical, yes, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> In practical terms, being able to run without a battery means diddly to me. I kind of agree with that. I never shoot my manual 35 SLRs without a battery, Tom. Interesting perspective. I like that. The thing is, the FM2, the FE2, these are a minor shade of difference from the FM3A. Minor. But the FM3A is sexy. Well, I got to tell you, the FM2N yes. compared to the FM3A, I feel are different cameras. To me, I feel oh. the FM3A is just feels easier. I like how the meters in the how it lines up yeah I like that's the little the bar I, do, I like it better than the little lights i am very happy with it very happy yeah alan perez had a question he said damn you two i got up in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep because all i could think of was camera limericks <laughs> we're so sorry so some questions and i'm throwing this to you because we honestly have not talked about that question one will there be another contest Yes, definitely. Question two. Do limericks have to end with a brand or can I use a model? I mean, what? I like think Spotmatic? We're open. I think we're open. Yeah. I think that's a good I one. I think if you can rhyme Spotmatic with something, then right. go right ahead. Right. Can we just send them in to be read with no expectation of a prize? No, Alan. No, you cannot just send them in. I want you to stockpile them for the next yes. year. Yeah. Maybe a regular segment. I love it. Alan is lobbying for a regular limerick, limerick segment, segment on the positive. And number five, can they be slightly off color as good limericks are? No. No. They cannot because we are a G-rated podcast. I keep explaining this to people. We did have our, our share of them. We had a lot. <laughs> we had a lot of off color ones. We will enjoy them. Yes. But I don't think they will be read on the podcast, nor will they win a prize. In the privacy there of our be, own home. Maybe, maybe, you know, 
undefined bonus points, but anyway. <laughs> Roberto Martinez writes, Hey all, I am a recent listener as well as first-time emailer. Isn't it great? We're like a sports I talk show I love that. That's Long so Long-time cool. listener, first-time caller. <laughs> love the show, especially the camera brand-specific episodes. Hey, I like those too. Yep. What's our next one, Gabe? What are we going to do next? I think... Camera brand-wise. Um... Well, you know what? Let, should There's we put so it to the many. listeners? Yeah, let's put it to the listeners. Send us some info. We have three ideas. Yep. Or you can pitch a fourth. One is a Rolly show. One is a Canon show. One is one that I'm calling Minority Report, which is great cameras that are not from the big name brands. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. We're probably going to do all three of them. Tell yep. us what you would like to hear next. Yeah. He said, now into the meat of this email, it is New Year's Eve as I write this. 2021 for me was a year of slimming down my collection to the very basics of what I will use. It included the purchasing and selling of a Hasselblad, as well as the selling of my I will never sell this camera camera, which was the Olympus OM4TI. Wow. I have ended up being reunited with the Nikon F3 HP, which was my first serious film camera, which I sold long ago for the prior mentioned Olympus. Here it is again, Gabe, the F3. The F3 high point. Yep. I shelled out for a Fujifilm GF670 for my medium format camera and a Fujifilm TR Zoom. Don't know that camera. For, as my throw it in a bag point and shoot. My collection now is completely different from what I started the year with. That is interesting turnover. He did say, I feel as if I have finally arrived at my complete set and plan to not buy a single film camera in 2022 <laughs> unless one breaks and I need a replacement. Oh I am goodness. feeling fairly confident about this, although I did just place an eBay order for the Olympus 35RC mentioned in your Olympus Has Fallen episode. <laughs> and then he sent us a picture of his gear, which is lovely, particularly that Fuji man. Fantastic. Hey, guess who emailed? Roth Tessum. Rolf Tessum clapped back on my Linda McCartney. Oh, boy. Let's hear. Here's what he said. Class. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. When it starts Anything with class. Anything that starts class. Yeah, there's an issue. I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. Class, please compare and contrast the images below of Linda McCartney and photojournalist Dennis Stock, respectively. Oh, boy. Do you know this photograph? The Dennis Stock yeah. photo? Yep. Well, I do. Yep. And he says, actually, at the end of this, he says, for extra credit, name the date and place of publication of the Dennis Stock image, along with the photographer. I know the place. It's Life Magazine. I know the photographer. It's Andreas Feininger, or Forefinger, or Feininger, or whatever his name is. <laughs> you guys know this image. It's a guy holding a camera over his eyes so that the finder and the lens appear to be two eyes. You've seen it. Yep. He says, anyway... Please share with the class your thoughts on camera grip, eye placement, and other relevant ergonomic details as appropriate. Do you think he's mocking me? I think he's mocking you. But I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I think he is. Mocking me is always, always a, good idea. a good idea. I believe he's trying to point out that there is some sort of similarity between how Linda holds her camera and how Dennis Stock is holding his no. Are we really going to do this? Are we going to open another controversy on how do you hold your camera? What? Plus, she's got a Nikon F and he's got a Leica and something. Whatever. Oh, oh, oh you got me, Rolf. Next. Yes. <laughs> Alan Perez finally wrote in to point to an article on Axios about photos of survivors of the uh, January 6th 
insurrection that were taken with a speed graphic. Go to Axios and look at this. The photos oh, are wow. remarkable. Wow. And then he sent in a camera limit because he couldn't help himself. I'm not reading it, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> save them. They're really good, but save them. That is the mailbag. Love it. This is insert We love hearing from music. you people. <laughs> we love hearing from you people. One day we will have mailbag music from Fred Corey, our music director. As always, you can reach us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. I will tell you, I particularly enjoy being scolded. That is my kink. Yes. Yes. Okay. Couple of things. Let's oh, just yes. go in. We're just going to dive on into it, Gabe. Absolutely. It's our show. It's our 25th year. 25. Six years. Okay. Whatever. It's a new year. We talked about this last year. Check your batteries. I know you guys have cameras sitting on the shelves. Open them up. Exercise them. Take a look at those batteries. Make sure there isn't any corrosion or crystallization on the surface of your battery. But I have bad news. Bad news? As of October 2021, Paul Berkland Green of the Paul BG Adapter has called it a day after 17 years. You cannot get the thingy. Oh, the thingy. You should have ordered a bunch of thingies. You should have ordered the thingy. So I want to put it to our listeners. Do you have the thingy, Gabe? I do have the thingy, and there's also a couple other thingies. Okay. Here are the two things I wrote down in my notes of what can sub in for the thingy. Yeah. I have been told that... Now, here's what we're talking about, guys, in case you did not hear (laughs) our lengthy explication of the thingy in a prior episode. This is a ring that goes around a 675 Zinc Air hearing aid battery, which is dirt cheap, to sub in for the Mercury PX625, which so many cameras of the 60s and 70s use, which is no longer available because it will kill Mother Earth, okay? It causes climate change. That's why they had to discontinue it. So... Paul Berkland Green made a brass ring that was so perfect because you would snap it around the 675 and it would be the same size and shape as a 625. Paul has retired from this. So here are the two options I heard were good. A number nine rubber O-ring. Cheap as hell. These are like pennies. Or a number 10 split lock washer. Both of these are available at your local Home Depot or hardware store or whatever. What was your pitch? Something like that? My pitch is there is another rubber one Hmm. that is on eBay, and I will post it. I just have to figure out what it is, but it works great. And that's the one that I use in my OM1. Okay. Some people use a piece of coated wire that they snip to the right size. Some people wrap aluminum foil around the thing. Let's hear what you guys use. Absolutely. I don't want to hear that you pay for the wine cell, and I don't want to hear that you're getting bootleg mercury batteries from Russia. But also the wine cell, there's a limit to how long that thing works. Yeah. The wine cell, as far as I can tell, is basically the 675, but just in a custom engineered case we don't need that guys Mm -hmm. 675 hearing aid batteries are 25 cents a piece we don't need to pay 20 bucks for a wine cell gabe oh my god this is the next thing on the agenda wait can i just say one more thing just just please do you got i just thought of it because when you were talking about you know it's a new year check your batteries you know what i like to do i like to do a thorough cleaning i like to clean my lenses front and back things i don't do i like to dust things off I like to look over the cameras. I look in the viewfinder. There's stuff I always forget to do uh, after shoots. And I just make sure everything is sort of 
clean and check things out. If they need any repairs and stuff like that, I go through them and it's a new year. That's what I feel. There you go. That is wise advice. Make friends with your cameras again. Yes. Go through. Love you may them. find that you love pick them. one up and you suddenly forge a love connection exactly. with a machine that you haven't used in a while. Right. Take note of which ones have dust on them and shoot with those. Yes. Or give them to Tessa, yes. the 22-year-old graduate student at UT Austin. Okay. I'm afraid I'm going to ignite another controversy. Oh, here we go. Now, we've already recounted in perhaps excruciating detail, how I've gotten stomped on my last two declarations. For those of you scoring at home, there was overwhelming rejection of depth of field preview, and there was pretty overwhelming rejection <laughs> of keeping the other eye open. Yes. Well, oh, here comes another controversy. Oh boy. Another thing that the K1000 is missing, correct me if I'm wrong, is a self-timer. Like a vault. <laughs> Do you use the self-timer, Gabe Sachs? <laughs> I have honestly used a self-timer once in my life. And I can't and... even remember when it was. In college, I think, at USC, with some friends, I might have used a self-timer once. And the picture was fine. And that was the end of it. I've never, ever used a self-timer again. I have used the self-timer on every camera I own. Like how many times? Let's be real. I want you to dig deep. <laughs> I would say I use a self-timer once a month. Once a month. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but once a month on each camera or... No, whatever whatever I'm shooting with that month, I am probably going to use the self-timer. Okay, so you... This counts. So, okay, so you probably use a self-timer on each camera twice a year. Okay, let me make my point. <laughs> <Let> me... <laughs> so let's really get into how okay, necessary I, this is. Okay, I am not a narcissist. I don't... I'm a strange looking person. I don't <laughs> really me, love sorry. how I look. Yep. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh my god okay it's not that i'm going around taking pictures of myself or even myself with a bunch of friends though i do that every once in a while i don't do that often i use it as a substitute for a cable release okay that's what i do i never have a cable release on me so if i am using a slow shutter speed yeah your self-timer is a cable release why right. would you use it right you don't do that no what do you, you just handheld the, you you just do it i just take pictures Okay, we <laughs> put it out of to them. the That's teeming masses now. <laughs> do you guys use the self-timer? Do you even care? We have also noted, by the way, that at camera shows, nine out of 10 cameras you look at, the self-timer is broken. Always. I mean, And they get very are... sensitive. Those dealers get crazy oh. when you touch the self-timer. They're like, going, <gasps> because it- Yeah, it... they will kill you. They will kill They you. are not designed for heavy use. No question. They're <laughs> never designed for heavy use. But let's hear from you guys. Have you ever touched the self-timer on your camera? Yeah. Okay. Huh. I just want to, speaking of camera malfunctions, yes. I just need to recount a little bit of a saga here. Oh, boy. Um, okay, you guys know my last acquisition was a Pentax Electro <laughs> Spotmatic. Okay, yes. I bought this camera in spite of the fact that everywhere I read these cameras break very easily that <laughs> you were well warned of, you 10 were warned. out of 11 of them on ebay have non-functional meters right but gabe forgive me this comparison 
I feel like it's like in romantic comedy. You always think you're going to be the one that changes them. Right. Right. Huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, How's that working So out? I bought my Electrospotmatic <laughs> thinking, I will be the exception. I will get one that works. Right. And I, it will not crap out on me. Well, of course. first thing that happened was the rewind button got stuck. So I could not load the camera. So took the camera to our friendly camera repair guy. He fixed it, turned it around in a day. Wonderful. That's a mechanical problem. It was easy. Two days later, the meter died. <sighs> it's back in the shop. I don't know if it's salvageable. We'll find out. But I have to tell you, and this is why I wanted to bring this up. I think this is another stark difference between you and me. Yes. When a camera is broken, <laughs> you know where this is I going. I know where it's going. I cannot have it in the house. Yeah. <laughs> you. It's unbelievable. It's like I have a pile of broken cameras behind me that I, I feel know. like I'm just going to bring over and just place them at different oh parts of your God. house so you that find one and go crazy. That is my nightmare. <laughs> Knowing that it's broken and it's in the house mocking me. Right. No, I understand. I mean, I, you know, I have a camera shelf that is centrally located yes. in my dining room, I yes. guess you would say. So there's nowhere you can't see it from. Right. I am so relieved. Listen, I honestly, if the camera repair guy says to me it's not fixable, I will say to him, just keep it. <laughs> Don't give it back to me. I can't have you it. You can't face can't it. it yeah, I won't face it. Yeah. Clearly, you do not have this problem. No, I don't have a problem. I have a, yeah, I have other millions of other problems. And with that, that was the lengthy drum roll to getting to the centerpiece of today's episode. Where have all the cameras gone? Long time passing. Gabe, would you like to recount some of the adventures that you and I have had over the last couple of weeks? So, looking for cameras. It's the craziest thing ever. So, you know, as you're going on these adventures and we go to thrift stores and antique shops and antique malls and, you know, everything in between. And it used to be like, oh, that's a nice camera. Uh, should I get it? Maybe not. And you just walk away and you go, it's going to be there. You know, no one's buying any film cameras. It has become a ghost town. Like you yes. cannot even find, you can find the occasional box camera. You know, you'll find a broken folder. I mean, this is Southern California, people. There should be tons and tons and tons of cameras. Yes, some film stores, some camera stores have some vintage cameras, but it is crazy that all these antique stores, and I'm talking about like the city of Orange, which is, you know, the antique capital of the world with, you know, never-ending stalls at these antique malls and there's very very few cameras you just can't find any of those 60s and 70s cameras that were that you look for they're just being bought up and people thankfully are using them but you just can't find them anymore it's staggering yeah i mean i think you and i have done two or three of these excursions in the last couple of weeks we did a lengthy one yesterday here's the ritual gabe picks me up <laughs> we drive over an hour yeah to orange or garden grove or we Long went to, Beach. let me tell you where we went we <laughs> went to fountain valley we went to garden grove we went to villa park we went to the city of orange we went to these Santa are towns Anna. i did not know existed Santa I, Anna. I, <laughs> we went to westminster we i could go on and on and on I, this is how much we went I had about 17% left on my car, power-wise. Yes. And yes. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I don't know how you made it home. I know. 
were out for hours. This cluster of antique stores in Orange yesterday, there are like six streets that meet yeah. in an intersection and in every direction there are thrift stores. And there are those thrift, those like antique malls, right? Where there's hundreds of stalls. Yeah, it's amazing. Where you can get Smurfs yeah. or Peanuts lunchboxes or McDonald's collectibles or cameras. Yes. But there are no cameras. It's mind blowing. They're missing. And we went both to these like indie places, like hole in the wall indie yeah. places and to Goodwill. Salvation we must have Army. hit yep. 20 or 30 of these places. Yep. Here's what we saw. We saw one or two pack film cameras, Polaroid pack film cameras. Come on guys, nobody's gonna buy those now. Yep. We saw, yeah, as you said, we saw a couple of like box cameras and they're really for decor. Right. These are not aimed at shooters. They're really not. We saw some digital cameras which we'll talk about in a minute. I was in Bakersfield visiting my son for New Year's. I went to an antique store. They had a Pentax K1000 kit with three lenses, $250. Come on. That's where they're going. What? Yep. Yep. What? And these, by the way, these weren't Pentax lenses. They were third-party lenses. But we is did, this wait, happening? We did find one treasure, the Spectra. Oh, that was what you were going to buy. I just liked how it was just it. And the whole kit was there and everything was there. And sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Impossible Project discontinued that film. Yep. I, I think I you were on the verge of buying it. Then I talked Because it was $12. And I was going, mm. it has everything in the original kit. Yeah. It was cool I, looking. Yeah. And it was in great shape. That was the end of that. But no, it is a wasteland. Yeah. And I don't understand it. We were gobsmacked. I will tell you what I did get. I got four vinyl albums and a red Fiesta Wear Cream and Sugar set. <laughs> what did you get? Did you? Which what did you, you, come which you could take pictures with if you really work yeah, exactly. hard at it. Yes. Um, I, I think my instead? favorite purchase was at. I, I will say this: at the end of the day, Jeff and I, at a last-minute thing in the city of Orange, go into the store called Joyride, yes, which is the most right. beautifully curated amazing sort of vintage clothing and vintage all kinds of stuff like but really i thought cool. it was like a men's furnishing store yeah, because it was it like all razors like and pipes and things it, like amazing that. stuff vintage razors it goes on and on anyway walk in there and there are some cameras and it was so exciting i just went i, I went outside at jeff jackpot jackpot yeah and we never in. would have guessed yeah. they had cameras but yeah the guy who ran it this guy robert, robert uh is a collector and so he had half a dozen cameras you know in the area behind the register yeah that were for sale and some really amazing lenses really interesting. really amazing but they were almost all exact amount which is the one thing neither of us have right we don't have any exactas but there's some really nice ones but that was the at the very end of an odyssey yeah so Particularly, I want to hear particularly from people in the U.S., but like, is this what's happening in your area? Are they cleaned out? What's happening? Has everything gone to eBay? Right. We are despairing. So. Right. I did know, I did notice, you know, it's interesting. So as the the Pasadena bargain camera show was winding down, there's this great dealer from Japan and he has nothing on his table, but you can bring him stuff and, and he will buy it and he totally buys it yeah. at a fair price. But I once asked him, I said, could you buy that? Like if I came and saw you buy something, he goes, no, I ship, I literally pack it up and it all goes to Japan. Really? Yeah. So I was saying, because once there was a Leica that someone sold him 
And I said, oh, I would love to buy that. And he goes, I can't. I just, I literally immediately tonight, I will wrap it up, put it in a box and I ship them all to Japan. And wow. so I sold him my Alpa. That's, that's, that's when I sold him that Alpa kit that I bought the day before. And yeah. I had no interest in, in shooting with it because I knew nothing because about it. Because we had it. not met. Exactly. <laughs> and then... Uh, Otherwise, I would have snatched that away from <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. And so he um, he bought it and he just sent it right away. That's all he does there. Wow. So it's interesting. I think a lot of stuff, you know, is sold, you know, over there. It's interesting. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, you know, this is one of the things we were going to talk about. My only experience selling is I wait for the KEH guys to come to town and I just bring them a stack of stuff and they write me a check. Right. Where do you sell things? What are you saying? Uh, do you have a way of... What it, uh, <laughs> I've never put uh, a thing on eBay in my life. Okay, I've so never done that. Here's how I sell things. I oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, I know you don't. Here's, here's but if you were going to. If I was going to... Well, first of all, there are friends of mine that, I mean, this is the, the next step to myself. If you realize it's been a few months since I've said I'm getting rid of all that stuff, which is sitting to the left yes. of me on the floor, yes. and it's ready to be sold, but I have not sold anything. So it would be either offer up, which I know nothing about, mm. but we've been exploring, Mercari. But right. I think the best way is the Facebook Marketplace. And for the film and camera special, you know, interest groups, which I love. And then I think what I'm really going to do is call a friend who sells a lot of camera equipment online and just say, can I, can you take some yeah. of this and sell it for me? Yeah. Yep. KEH has not been here in a year. Right. And so even if I were of a mind to be offloading a lot of stuff, I have a few that I'm thinking about for our next Marine Icondo episode. Oh, Yes. Way coming up she's coming back she's she coming is. back to town she is <laughs> and she is merciless oh um, there she is but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Run. not yet not yet not yet not yet okay she'll be back don't worry that's typically what i would do but i we, yeah what else do you guys do where do you i mean where do you sell what, stuff where do you feel yeah, comfortable you selling stuff, stuff? We hear a lot about OfferUp here, particularly from younger photographers, that that's where they buy and sell stuff. I do check Facebook Marketplace every once in a while, though I have to admit I've never bought anything from there. Right. And I check Etsy, by the way. Sometimes stuff will come up on Etsy, particularly sometimes cool accessories. Right. You'll see that there are people who make straps and cases, mm. half cases and stuff on Etsy. But every once in a while, there are like photography dealers there. Do you know what's uh, no longer a deal? What? Shop Goodwill. Oh, no, it is not a deal. Have you seen their new interface? They, it is exactly like eBay. Oh, and dear. it is absolutely, I mean, I saw some film go for over 200 and something dollars. Like just some, you know, expired film. And it was just, I couldn't believe it. So wow. those cameras are going for a, a lot, like over a thousand. Some are going for over a thousand dollars that are, it's no longer like, oh, this is what I found. It's someone's curating that stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, wah, wah, wah. all right. Well, that brings us to so, <laughs> guys. I have once again been seized with X-Pan fever. It is like that. Let it's me a, explain it's a hysteria. This, Let me explain this though. This is like me with bags. Just so you know, once I get something in my head, or someone sends me yeah. a bag that they love, or something, 
I can't get it out of my head. There's no one who could talk me out of it. I just, I, it's the same thing with, you know, of course, cameras, but Jeff gets obsessed to the point of yes. like, you need it. You need this camera yes. and you can't operate if you don't have it. It's starting to plague me. Now, <laughs> here's the thing, guys. I love my wide lux. I sincerely adore it. It has been life-changing for me. I shoot with it all the time. I think it has sort of risen, along with the Roly SL350, it has sort of risen to the top of the cameras I most enjoy shooting with. And I'm just loving it. When you shoot widescreen with the wide lux, you get that distorted image, which is interesting. You also have no idea what you are shooting. The viewfinder on the wide lux is useless. Experts like Jeff Bridges say, don't even look through the viewfinder. Just hold the thing level and shoot. Right. Wonderful random things happen. But sometimes I want to be a little more deliberate and reasoned. And that brings me to the X-Pan, <laughs> which is going to give me a non-distorted widescreen image. And it's also going to give me a viewfinder that's relatively accurate. Right. And you can also switch between panoramic and standard 35 on the fly which is kind of fun it doesn't have the sort of moving lens so it probably is better in a snapshotty way i just became fixated on this again or you can and, get a vintage car so you have to decide what do you want do you want a vintage car or do you want an x-fan <laughs> well it's interesting you bring this up gabe i may have mentioned this on the podcast but oh i can pull one out right now watch watch oh, this boy. this is a great visual aid very exciting, especially for a podcast. I have a <laughs> Volvo 122S. Yes. It is a 1966 Volvo sedan. I adore this car. I have had it for 30 years. Do you know what I paid for this car, which is incredibly reliable and has been my mode of transportation mm -hmm. since I got my first story editor check? How much? $1,800. Mm -hmm. Yep. $1,800. It's still working. And it still works. Yep. It's amazing and beautiful, and I love it, and I will never get rid of it. And that is why I am holding up a dinky toy version of it in red. Mine right. is an ash blue color. Right. I compare everything to the cost of the Volvo. Right. When I buy a sofa, if it's $1,900, I say, that's more than I paid for my car. Exactly. The X-Pan, you can't get near for less than twice what I paid for my car. Right. You cannot find one of these for less than $3,700. And yet I am looking at them. And yet, I believe it was right before New Year's, I bid on one. Oh. It went for 4200 That was a little rich for my blood, but it is the going rate. Yes. I want to hear from the X-Pan or Fujifilm TX1 or TX2 shooters out there. Really give me the straight dope on whether I need this. Okay? Do I need it? Is it going to break? <laughs> Is it going to break my heart the way the $100 Spotmatic did? Okay? The hot Spotmatic was only 100 bucks. Right. I can't stand heartbreak. It would be the really the only electronic camera that I own. Uh, so... But the hunt is killing me. I have... Half a dozen of these bookmarked on eBay. I track them obsessively. 
I have been reading articles about it. Some people say it's not worth it. Some people say it is. Some people say you need the X-Pan 2 because it's got shutter speeds in the viewfinder and it can do long exposures better. Some people say don't bother because the display takes up part of the viewfinder and we want the full thing. Mm-hmm. I need some X-Pan guidance. Okay, here's some X-Pan guidance. Ready? Yeah, give it to me, man. 1991 Buick Regal, $4,000. <laughs> uh, 1955 Buick Super, $4,000. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, it would be the most expensive my, camera I own. That's my X-Pan advice. <laughs> it would be the most expensive camera I own. Yeah. Even the Alpa, if I was going to repurchase it, would probably, with that crazy wonderful lens, yeah, the Kern Macro Switar, would probably be less. Yeah. Am I a fool? Should I abandon this? Talk me out of it. Tell me the Wide Lux is better. Don't talk to me about Horizon. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear Noblex. <laughs> I don't want to hear fake panoramic. And I do not want to hear about shooting 35 millimeter in my Pentax 6x7, which I have done, which right. is a good simulation of the X-Pan, but it's a pain. Right. I want this camera. 1975 MG 2999. I almost bought an MG. Have I ever told you MG. that saga? No. Tell okay. Me about when it. I first moved here, I had a book called Road and Tracks Guide to Used Car Classics. <laughs> and I decided to educate myself mm-hmm. about classic cars of the 60s and 70s. One of which, by the way, was the Volvo 122. Beautiful. But my first infatuation was an MGB. I got very excited about buying an MGB and I was going to spend every penny I had to get one. I located one in West LA. It was exactly the vintage I wanted. It was gold with oxidized gold paint. It had the wire hubs. I love Wire those. hubcaps yep. and stuff. It had, it. did not have the rubber bumper. It had the metal front bumper. It was gorgeous. Okay, get ready. So I go out to the house in Brentwood of the gentleman who was selling it, who it turns out is like Alan Ladd Third. <laughs> love it. Brings the car out. It is everything I want. Leather seats. Absolutely. I am going to be so cool. I'm going to be Austin Powers in this thing. That's totally cool. I get in. And I cannot get my knees under the steering wheel. I'm six foot seven, guys. I could not get into the car. Yeah. There died the dream. Do you know how much that car would have been? $2,200. Oh, such a good one. Nobody really wants MGBs that much. No. You Let me ask you about the X-Pen. You have used one. Am I right about that? I have that? used one, yes. Tell me about your experience using it. It's fine. It's just not, I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it enough. Like I wouldn't use enough to commit, you know, that price is crazy. And I love the wide Lux. you know, I just love it. And I ah. think that, uh, I don't know, I think it would be redundant and I would just be holding on to that thing and just a little crazy. I just don't know. Mm. Not my thing, but, but you sh- by all means, you should get it because you're not going to get this out of your head until you get it. And then you can kvetch about getting it and then you want to sell it. Every other one of these high-end cameras that I have fixated on, okay, the Alpa 10S, what is that? That's a half-frame version of the Alpa that I have. Right, right. Somehow duplicated in some way, seemed to duplicate something I already had. Right. This, I guess, kind of does, but maybe not. Uh, I'm hopeless, is what I'm saying. I'm hopeless. I'm hoping the teeming masses will talk me out of this. <laughs> okay, next up. To it. Yes. Or talk me into it, and then I'll just do it. 
There was an article on Casual Photophile, which was on January 4th, and it says, are Digicams the new film? It's the gist so of it interesting. Was, apparently, this is a collecting frenzy that has started in Japan. Yep. Where all good collecting frenzies do start for first and second generation digital cameras, like 0.5 megapixels. Yep. These yard sale, this is what Gabe and I saw everywhere. Everywhere. Tons of those. On our travels. Yep. The ones that, oh my God, they just, they're, they're cheap, like $12 yeah. for a digital camera that new would have been 250 And apparently, photographers who like these digicams, they enjoy the blown out highlights, the staticky blacks. Yep. The kind of crunchy resolution. This never would have occurred to me in a bedillion years. No. What do you think? Well, this is what I think. I think kids are getting into the VHS look of things. And they're wondering, mm. what is this look? that There's all these VHS filters and vintage video filters and things like that. And they're starting to wonder where that stuff comes from. So now they are picking up these old video cameras, these old beta cams, remember, that were attached to that heavy, heavy, yeah. you know, recorders. And and they're starting to explore that. And I think this came out of that. I think it's like, you know, let's see what this, we could make some artsy shots using, we like that look. They also, kids love the look of, of a, um, you know, a T4 or any point and shoot with expired film. Because they love that look. It's sort yeah, of different from sure. what they get. They always get a perfect picture out of their phones and they want something that looks cooler that has, has an artsy feel to it and I think that's where it comes from yeah have you seen the film uh, Computer Chess no it, this is a film by let me look up the filmmaker Andrew Bujalski I don't know mm -hmm. how to pronounce it but it was shot on vintage video equipment you know the kind where you remember like in Frank Zappa's 200 Motels, like where there are light trails when oh, yeah. you pan away oh, from yeah. a light? It's, it's a very specific yep. kind of look. It's shot in black and white. It's actually a really good film, by the way. Yep. Computer Chess. I think it's from it says 2013. And the effects that you get from those vintage cameras that used, you know, VHS tape, VHS or beta, or I think in this case, this was three-quarter inch. Yes. Those kind of things where you have the... Yeah. Yeah, where you have the thing over your shoulder yeah. and then the big wire to the huge camera yeah, it's and like stuff. having 19 pentax six by sevens on your <laughs> around your neck <laughs> it totally is exactly totally is i can kind of see how those effects could be cool and i have noticed there's a youtube feed that i subscribe to called secret base and what they do is they do a rewind on a big moment in sports like they just covered the double doink right. which was a couple <laughs> right. of years ago today you know the cody parkey's field goal the upright, then the crossbar, and bounced away. And they use a lot of those kind of VHS-y effects yeah. when they rewind and fast-forward and they add interference and stuff yep. to make it look crunchy. So maybe there is a crunchiness that you get from these old digicams. Are any of you guys shooting with these things? Yeah, exactly. I probably have some laying around. I and they were interesting shapes, to use too. These. Some of them were oddly shaped and for sure. sort of fun. For sure. I, it's an interesting idea. Some of the industrial design of those cameras is cool. Yep. So, okay. Penultimate topic. I want to bring up a book that I really love and just hear from you guys. If you know this photographer, you know, I was following a thread on some Facebook group where somebody said, hey, post your favorite photo book. 
And I have a lot of photo books. For a while, I kind of thought I was collecting them. I don't think I am anymore. I just <laughs> buy some that I like. There was a photographer named Penti Samalati. That's P E N double T I S A double M A double L A H T I. He is Finnish, I believe. The book is called Here Far Away. This person said, this is my favorite photo book, and he posted a couple of images from it, which were incredible. Wow. There was this wide panoramic shot of a lake where there are swans and then these other like black geese, and the inner ring of the lake is all the swans, and the outer ring is all the black geese, and you would swear this thing was photoshopped or manipulated somehow. It's not, it's a wow. film shot. That's beautiful. His landscapes are so beautiful. They are these wintry landscapes. It's just the kind of thing I love. By the way, if you look at my Instagram feed, this is the kind of thing that I'm kind of trying to do is beautiful lighting, the use of fog, late afternoon, early morning. It's amazing. Just Google this guy and look at some of his images. They're so incredible. So the book was not easy to come by. I had to buy a Finnish edition. It was not cheap. Some of the the English language version of this on Amazon goes for over a thousand dollars, which I'm not wow. going to pay for a book. But beautiful stuff, absolutely beautiful. Do you have any recent photo books you like? Uh, the Vivian Meyer. Just kidding. I just had to. Uh, say, go I for it. <laughs> no, no. There is a new one. I know there is a new one. I just wanted to bring up Vivian Meyer's name because I always think when you said I've got a I've got a little thing that's going to be controversial, I always think you're going to say. I found her distant cousin's cousin, and I brought it up with her. I'm never speaking of her again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for our final topic, I would like you, Gabe, oh my goodness. to give the annual report from the I Dream of Cameras corporate retreat, which was a couple of weekends ago. It was amazing. In the backyard at our corporate headquarters. So at the corporate headquarters, which is uh, Jeff Greenstein's house, which is... <laughs> First of all, it is like a corporate retreat. It's so much fun. There is a, let me let me describe the setting. <laughs> there is a small pool that's very artsy and beautiful. There is a bar, and it had it had delicious food. I mean, I can go on and on. It what was, was the Empanada food City, is what that's I call correct. it. Um, they were I can't cook, so I ordered empanadas. And also, from... he makes up for not cooking with. There's some lovely drinks, and in addition to that. If you're not feeling like alcohol, there is a vintage Coke machine, which you use actual dimes and open the door to pull out your choice of soda. There are many choices and they are delicious. So um, that's sort of, it was like, it was really a retreat. It was like a party (laughs) retreat. It was fantastic. And at the center of the street, of this retreat, are the four nerds from I Dream of Cameras. all holding their Olympus OM-1 cameras. And we are taking pictures of each other. And that's pretty much, it was- That's what went on. It was so much fun. And then we have our official company photo, which was awesome. And then, you know, it it was just great actually seeing everyone in person at the same place. And, you know, Keith and Fred had not met. I had not met Keith in person. It was fantastic. And I think that we got a ton of work done. We got a ton of business work. We went through a lot of, we went through our corporate papers and our ledgers, 
our big leather ledgers and spreadsheets and all of that. I stuff. made a PowerPoint presentation. It was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic, and we feel like we could jump into 2022 toe first. Lot of bold plans were hatched yes. at the corporate retreat. Yes, it was fantastic. Um, obviously, we cannot reveal them, but there yes. are a lot of things coming. They're coming out. We really can you. just tell you that we were all together because we really can't reveal what went on there. But it was very important <laughs> stuff. That's all we can say. The funniest part, though, I will say is okay. So we all have basically the same camera. We all Gabe's is, Gabe is cooler. Gabe has the black OM one because he has to be cooler. <laughs> yeah, right. The rest of us, Fred and Keith and me, we all have Chrome ones. Though I guess you could argue that I am the coolest of all because mine is an M one. Exactly. Not an OM. You have the But that's coolest. fine. Yep. But anyway. Keith got his film back. I got my film back. And it's all just pictures of us taking it's pictures of each other. It's the funniest thing so bad. ever. It was, it was like what you get back from a beers and cameras. Exactly. It's just people with cameras taking pictures of, of each other. With cameras. Right. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. But it was very productive and we have lots of bold plans. Right. We're ready year to go. Two. Ready to go. Some on location stuff. Some more interviews. Oh, some we're going to travel this year. We are traveling this year. Yes. And as we said, we are beginning to drumroll the return of the mighty, the fearsome, the uncompromising Marie Nikondo. Back not by yet. Demand. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. I know she's, Gabe is already PTSDing just from she's hearing her door. name. <laughs> it has been over seven months since her last visit. And no, it hasn't. It has. Can you no, believe that? It... That was June. Wait, seven? I have not sold a camera in seven months. <laughs> That's incredible. Get on it, man. No. Oh, this is so sad. It's yes, going to happen. But anyway, she's coming back. And this time she's coming for me. It she isn't is. just going to be you. Oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> I am very, very, very excited about this whole thing. All right. Well, thanks, y'all, for propelling us into our second full year. And please stay this. in contact. We love your emails. We love when you shout out or give us a little advice on uh, Instagram or wherever you get a hold of us. We absolutely love it. And, you know, even talking about bags, you know, just saying, if you come across a bag yeah. you love. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really service your love of bags all that much. That may I be think something we're gonna, yeah, we're going to do something about that. And with that, any final thoughts, Gabe, before we close this out? Yeah, I'm trying to think of my final thought. Um <laughs> I will tell you my final thought, my final thought. A lovely, lovely gentleman on Across the Roll, which I love that, Across the Roll on Instagram, sent me a couple new bags oh, to check out. What? <laughs> and What? Yeah, and they were very, very cool. And I um, just, to, you know, sent me some pictures and sent me some ideas and things like that of which... I am going to be checking out one of them. I'm not saying I'm going to buy them, but I may purchase them. I'm just saying wow. there's things like that. Wow. Yeah. I'm fascinated. Yeah. No, it's very exciting. Okay. I love when people, you know, contribute to my addiction. That's Excellent. my final thought. All right. <laughs> All right. As always, you can find us. Here's how you find us. Okay. Email us, idreamofcameras at gmail.com. Please visit our website, idreamofcameras.com, where swag is flying off the shelves. Our smash hit Dream Team merchandise was lighting it up at Christmas time, Hanukkah time, Hanukkah time, Kwanzaa, Diwali, 
People bought it for all occasions. It is still available. We are getting suggestions for other characters to add to the mix. We're always open to that. And we're also working on the half a cookie t-shirt. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Very getting. important. Yes, half a cookie. Other suggestions, let us know. So idreamofcameras.com for all your I Dream of Cameras needs. Gabe Sachs on the Instagram, S. Jeff Greenstein on the Instagram. And as always, follow us on Instagram, I Dream of Cameras. Our Twitter presence has doubled since wow, our last that's episode, exciting. meaning we have about 80 now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I'll love try and it. do more with it, guys. The more you interact with us, the more motivated I will be to post there. So also, good. I'm Blue439 on Twitter, and you're. I don't know you when I am. I'm Gabe Sachs, yeah. I think. I don't know. I've never right. gone there. Yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter for various witticisms. What else? Our music is by Fred Corey. Our visual design is by Keith Greenstein. And we are by us. Yes, we are. Take us out of here, Gabe. All I can tell you is the most important lesson you will get out of today is yes. Yes, change your batteries. Okay, yes, clean your cameras. But the most important thing you can do for all of your cameras is dust off your self-timers. They are so important to the future of photography and the future of your photography. You, You want better pictures? Use that self-timer. Thank you, and good night.